Morning Liberty. Well, happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to a new day in America where Hillary Clinton is now your president since Donald Trump was impeached last night. (laughs) Oh, no, that didn't happen. Wait, no, he was impeached, but uh, Hillary Clinton's not the president. That's not how it works? No, that's not how it works, in case you didn't know. Well, then what's the point of all this? Well, the point was to impeach the president. That was the point. Well, in that case, they did it. Yeah. Kind of. I mean... (laughs) They've they've moved these articles of impeachment further. The House has done it. We all know. Yeah, we all know. It's this a means- new it's a new day in America. Obviously, yeah. The, yeah, your woes are over. You know, now the Democrats officially like Trump as much as they liked Bill Clinton. Yeah, <laughs> just That's true. This, the same amount. Well, welcome everybody to the Good Morning Liberty podcast, where we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. That includes current news. We do the news section. We also talk about how meaningful your life could be if you just took some damn responsibility for yourself. That you, I mean, there, say it like that's, it is. That's it. Just sum it up in one sentence Tough like that. it is. And so, of course, we have to cover impeachment. And I've seen all kinds of hilarious stuff. Like, people are so excited Trump has been impeached. And we've said from the beginning, oh, by the way, predictions coming to fruition. You're welcome, America, <laughs> for that uh, fruition. Because we're the only ones that knew it. Yeah. <laughs> so Our predictions came to fruition. We knew that the, the sham Democrats, the do-nothing Democrats, were going <laughs> to continue forward with this partisan sham. <laughs> I was exactly. watching. How many times can you say sham? I was watching all of this last night, and I was like, I was just laughing because the talking points on both sides were exactly the same. All Republicans were saying this is a sham. And then all Democrats were saying this is, was a solemn duty Yeah, um, that unfortunately had to be done. Yeah. Which you uh, saw the video of them like partying. They celebrate. Right? Exactly. Yeah, they were they celebrating were, afterwards. Oh, that the was solemnness. A, that was the squad. Wasn't it? Yeah. The yeah. squad that was celebrating. Yeah. They were so sad. <laughs> so, so sad. They were solemn. Yeah. That, that is the definition of sol- solemnity. Well, that's how fake this, <laughs> that's how fake this whole thing is. Like why come out there and act like this is a sad day that oh. you hate doing this. I can't believe we have to do this. I wish that Donald Trump's presidency would not have been tainted by this. So this is just a sad day. Like that's how fake all of this yeah. is the last thing I wanted to do was impeach yeah. a president. Like everyone no. knows that that's a lie. Yeah, actually, that's exactly what you wanted to do. Yeah, or you wouldn't be doing it under <laughs> under false pretenses. Right. Okay, you just exactly. wouldn't be doing it. Okay, uh, but anyway, did you tell people my, to subscribe. I don't think you did. No, I haven't. I was yeah. going to tell them my name first because we haven't got there yet. Even because we just had to jump right in. Yeah. Uh, my name is Charlie Thompson. I'm one of the hosts here at the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. The best podcast for all your liberty news and uh across from me as always every single day doing this thing except for tomorrow because he's not going to be here is your (laughs) second rate host nate thurston nate well that's why i'm second rate did you know that your president has been impeached i i heard i heard that he had been okay yeah i heard he had been are you gonna do an episode by yourself tomorrow yeah i'm gonna do it the people are ready is today a new day for you do you did you wake up feeling any differently today no, I still were you will, solemn or were well, you feeling shamful? I was as solemn as I normally am, uh, living under this semi-tyrannical government that we already have in the first place. Uh, so I already wasn't happy with what any of the branches of government do uh, at all, and uh, this impeachment didn't change it whatsoever. Except for I'm slightly more annoyed. That's that's really about it. Yeah. The only you know, reason I'm annoyed is because he. I, I've said this on another podcast. Like 
If I believed that this were truly about some type of high crimes and misdemeanors that people thought Trump had committed, if there were, this were really a search for the truth and this were really trying to root out corruption and make sure that we reined in the executive branch of the United States, if I believe that that's really what this was about, then I could actually, I could entertain the conversation about doing this. But I think it's fairly clear that this is not what this is about at, at all. And that's why, since we're not going to apply this principle equally to all presidents, since all of them are guilty of all these same two articles, more than likely, yeah. um, if we're not going to apply this principle evenly and go ahead and impeach the next Democrat president, then I don't like this one either. You know, if they had brought articles of impeachment, let's say, of, uh, you know, violating Fourth Amendment rights and, yeah. and spying on Americans. They could have done that. Or how about uh, continuing unconstitutional warfare when yeah. it hasn't been authorized by Congress appropriately by the Constitution? If we want to talk about your duty and oath to the Constitution. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody in Congress is like, oh, my God, we've been violating all these things. We're going to start to follow all of the Constitution. Yeah. And then they were going to impeach the president because they needed to, to follow their duty yeah. and everything. Then I would have been like, sure, this seems legit. But, but the two articles of impeachment that it actually passed the House last night, which was uh, abuse of power, which, I mean, they didn't even specify bribery or anything. It was like a 635 page document, I think, something like that, 538 yeah. pages or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you had one of your representatives we're going to talk about that uh, voted present, which means she didn't vote yes or no. Yeah. Um, you think you had two Democrats vote against one article and three Democrats vote for the other, but it was clearly a perfectly partisan uh, endeavor. And now it, it, May and may or may not go to the Senate. We don't know. Yeah, but we'll uh, Trump has been impeached, and then again, probably going to win the 2020 election. But we got a lot to talk about on all of that. Um, and I wanted to let you guys know before that happens, yeah. before this great discussion, uh, subscribe to the podcast. They should do that. You should subscribe now. Why in the world will we ask you to subscribe? To subscribe, Nate. Well, because tell the kind folks, if you care about the principles that we talk about, which is the principle of self ownership, of personal responsibility, of you having all the liberties that you are supposedly to have been born with that are supposed to be protected by the Constitution. If you care about all of those things, then you want to support podcasts like what we're doing where we spend every single day bringing this information to the people trying to get all this info out to as many people as possible and what you can do by subscribing is you know you're going to be downloading the episodes you're going to see every single episode that we release and then that's going to help us keep this going how's that going to help us keep going well we can start selling ads on this freaking thing so we can start running ads so we can get this message out in front of more people so that's why we want people to subscribe because we can grow this movement. We don't want to just give up. I know that, you know, we're libertarians and we only got 3% of the vote last time, but Hey, I don't think we should quit there. I think we should go for more than 3% next time. Yeah. So if you care about doing there's, that, the only way to go is yeah, up from yeah, here. There's not, you know, there, there's not much worse it can get, honestly. And if they actually nominate a libertarian this next time around, maybe they'll get more than 3%. We'll mm -hmm. see. We'll see. So yeah, with, uh, without further ado, I mean, we've got some news items to talk about today. If you guys didn't hear, there is impeachment 
on the horizon. They're going to send it to the Senate, and the Senate is going to remove Donald Trump, right? No. No. No, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. So we've got this article from Politico. It says, Pelosi threatens to delay Senate impeachment trial. Imagine that. How about this? Speaker Nancy Pelosi refused to commit Wednesday to delivering articles of impeachment to the Senate, citing concerns about an unfair trial on removing President Donald Trump from office. She's worried about it being unfair. Yeah. She thinks it's going to be partisan. Yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> Man. Kind of kind of how the, the inquiry was unfair. Senior Democratic aides said the House was very unlikely to take the steps necessary to send the articles to the Senate until at least... Early January, a delay of at least two weeks and perhaps longer. I don't understand why they're not doing their job. I mean, that's <laughs> I their know. job. Why would they matter? Why would they care so much about the timing of this? <laughs> oh. why, why would they care so much about the timing? It has nothing to do with partisanship no, or the election nothing coming to up. do with this affecting a presidential election whatsoever no. okay so <laughs> so a quote so far we haven't seen anything that looks fair to us pelosi told reporters at a news conference just moments after the house charged trump with abuse of power and obstructions obstruction of some kind of other bs rules that wouldn't be our intention but we'll see what happens over there Pelosi's comments, which echo suggestions raised by other Democrats throughout the day, inject new uncertainty into the impeachment timetable and send the House and Senate lurching toward a potential institutional crisis. <laughs> though, though the House adopted two articles of impeachment charging Trump with abuse of power and obstruction of Congress investigations, it must pass a second resolution formally naming impeachment managers to present the case in the Senate. This sounds just like when I applied for my new license plates. <laughs> that second vehicle triggers the official transmission of articles to the Senate. This is how the government works, by the way. By delaying passage of that resolution, Pelosi and top Democrats retain control of the articles and hope to put pressure on Senate Majority Leader Mitch Mitchell McConnell to adopt trial procedures they consider bipartisan. Mr. Speaker, <laughs> I, I Mr. request Speaker, unanimous consent. The gentleman, the gentleman from Illinois, is recognized for thirty seconds. <laughs> thirty seconds. Yeah, you're the in the opposing viewpoint, so you get oh, less okay. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you watch these proceedings, which I get, they have to have some type of what's it called? It's a formal parlay, but it's uh, not a parlay, but it's uh, it's all whatever these, those rules it's are. All these old English rules. Yeah, I don't know. Which you know, I get some of them. Obviously, you want to have order, you know, yeah. and you have to make sure people get their time to speak and not everybody's being interrupted and you're not arguing back and forth. Uh, however, it was just hilarious. Um, yeah. You know, every single the gentleman's time is up. Sorry. We're going to have to uh, okay. move to the, no, no. <laughs> go ahead, Mr. Speaker. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to request an additional two minutes. <laughs> so, um, I don't know why I'm requesting time from the second. I don't, rate. I don't know. You should be requesting time from me. Well, the the minority has to be in control here. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> this is this is minority control. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, of course this was going to happen as well. That and this just further proves how partisan this impeachment fiasco is. Look, to all you libertarians out there that being like, "Oh, well you're just a Trump shill." I'm not, by the way. Like Trump has done some absolute terrible things during his presidency. For instance, exhibit A is tariffs. Tariffs yeah. are completely against free trade. 
and I'm for free trade. Yeah. So that means I'm against tariffs and I don't like all of this trade negotiation that only hurts people. You know, it doesn't help the American economy. It doesn't help American citizens. It doesn't help Chinese economy. It doesn't help Chinese citizens. And we have called out Trump every time he did something that we didn't like. I am against Trump banning bump stocks. I think that's a violation of the second amendment. So I'm no Trump shill, but I do like the fact that Trump's has deregulated the economy. Yeah. You know, for every new regulation that was passed, they're on average of it's what, at 16 right now, 16 yeah. that they've decommissioned. Now, I'm all about li- now more than likely we'll say that those are probably regulations that were just not even affecting anything anyway. I don't care. You know, I don't either. Get them off the books. Get them off. I'd, them I'd rather them just burn the whole thing down. Yeah. I'd rather them repeal 20 regulations for every zero regulations that right. they enact. Yeah. Just every day, just find 20 to repeal. Yeah. And they would probably still end up with like 100,000 by the time he gets out of office. Right. But, you know, there are some good things that, that Trump has done. And, and I I don't know. Maybe he was better than Hillary. Who knows? Probably not. It doesn't seem, you know, you know, I think saying that you want to remove the troops is a good thing to say. Yeah. Although it hasn't actually happened. Well, he just you know, we, shifted them to other places. People, you know? the things that people are forgetting about is we just had the Afghanistan papers come out which is America's longest war spent over a trillion dollars. And no one's saying anything about that because impeachment is just dominating everything. Why do you think the Afghanistan papers were released like four business days before the impeachment vote happened? Uh, because they knew that <laughs> no one would talk about yeah, them. Yeah. You, you know, think that wasn't planned. Hell, we're not even talking about them because we haven't had time to dive into them yet because yeah. we got to spend our time wasting. We got to spend wasted breath on this whole fiasco called impeachment. And I'm not saying that it's not important. However, I think there are more important things. For instance, we talked yesterday, which I even mentioned on the show would not be as popular episode as this one's going to be guaranteed. Yeah. We'll get way more downloads for this episode than we will yesterday because yesterday had to do with our debt and our spending bills, Yeah, which was passed yesterday. And by the will way. be signed by Trump, which we talked negatively about. Yeah. Now, yeah. can an impeached president sign? It, oh, he's not removed from he's office. not removed. He's still he's the not president. removed from office. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he'll sign the spending bill, which was a bipartisan effort, mind yeah. you. So the House has no problem being bipartisan when it comes to spending your money. But however, uh, impeachment, even they cut in on regular channels yesterday. I know to show the C-SPAN feed. Yeah. Of what was happening. They cut into the masked singer masked singer last night. To show some yeah. Fox commentators. And I was so upset because obviously of I watched that show. That's the number one new uh, singing show, I guess. <laughs> Who uh, I, I did see that Wayne Brady ended up winning, right? I've, I've never watched the single clip <clears throat> from that show ever. I've just um, seen ads for it. I think it was Wayne Brady. I've seen a, like maybe a few snippets of it. Yeah. Um, what's his name from Fox was on it. Uh, the quarterback um, TB. Uh, not Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw. Okay. Yeah. He was yeah, on, he had an album. At he one was on there the first the first season. Yeah, yeah. he released an album like in the seventies uh, or eighties or eighties, yeah. I think. Yeah, he was on there, but I'm pretty sure Wayne, old Wayne Brady, you know the guy who um, was on whose line is it anyway? Yeah. With yeah. that show was fantastic. Yeah, and you can never forget the Wayne Brady episode of Chappelle's show. Yes. which was amazing. Yep, and yeah. then he, I think he does the deal now or something like that, which is kind of like a Price is Right yeah. show. Let's, it, make, let's, make, let's a make a deal. Yeah. And, um, and then I guess he's doing things like yeah. the mass singers the guys still making money, yeah. you know, he's kind of like a C list celebrity, but anyway, they cut into that show, which <laughs> Luckily was you devastating guys came here to find out who Wayne Brady is. That's <laughs> why was, you come here, which was devastating. Yeah. 
obviously to <laughs> America all around that we had to cut in with this impeachment nonsense. That's actually the lowest rating the impeachments had so far is when yeah. they cut in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, of course, of course, Nancy Pelosi would do this. This is all a political move as it has been the entire time. And, um, in fact, one of their own democratic people, which we're going to get to in just a second said, Hey, this is completely partisan. I voted for the inquiry. Like yeah. I wanted to dive into what we could get them on. But when they released this 538 page document on these two articles, that eh, wasn't enough. Yeah. It was too partisan for me to vote for <laughs> my because wife, she's not an idiot. My wife asked me what obstruction of Congress was. She was like, so like, what is that? I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. I've never heard of that. And I was like, well, here's, here's what it is. A cop comes into your house and says, Hey, I'm coming in here. I'm going to look around and see if you've ever committed a crime. And so I'm just going to look around your house. Let's see if there's any evidence of any crimes. And you were standing in his way the whole time saying that he didn't have a right to do this. And this was a, a, a BS thing for him to be in here. Tell him he can't like, don't touch my computer, yeah. even though he signed on to it. And then at the end of the day, you only get charged with obstruction of justice. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. charged. That's what they find you guilty of. Right. was obstruction of justice when they never found evidence of a crime. And I was like, that's what obstruction of Congress is. It's like the resisting yeah. arrest charge. Yeah. So they can just get you on something. Yeah, nothing. I, we're not going to charge you with what we were arresting you for. No, yeah, no, no. You only got resisting arrest. That's it. You know, and there's a few things I want people to understand about this whole impeachment thing. So the House of Representatives, in case you guys don't remember from your, you know, eighth grade civics class, which you probably don't. And plus, it was probably taught incorrectly. <laughs> I'm going to give you just a little bit of education. This will be. Uh, can I request two minutes for an education unanimous consent? Uh, the House will allow two minutes to the gentleman from Illinois. OK, I'm from Tennessee, by the well, way. Tennessee. Stop saying Illinois. Sorry. I, I do not claim that hellhole. <laughs> uh, sorry, Mom. I know you still live there anyway. <laughs> um, you know, and I think. Yeah. Uh, your mom still lives there too. Yeah. Sorry, my Nate's whole, mom. My whole family. Look, sorry, Nate's family. Yeah. You know, <laughs> can we call it an S hole state? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Anyway. Everyone there would know it's true. So mm -hmm. most people anyway. Look, I'm taking up my two minutes here. Yeah, you are. So to give you a quick, a quick education, first of all, the, uh, the clause in article, um, in article two of the constitution, which denotes, the impeachment clause is for high crimes, misdemeanors, bribery. It has nothing to do with um, with anything else. There's no obstruction of Congress or anything listed out. It's literally high crimes, misdemeanors and bribery. Um, now, you would think that they would list <laughs> bribery. <laughs> Since be, that's what since this that's whole thing is about. That's what this whole thing is about. You yeah. would think that would be the one that would be listed. However, it's not. Um, anyway. The, the second thing I want to tell you guys is that the House of Representatives acts like a grand jury, although they are not a grand jury. They act like a grand jury, in which case a grand what a grand jury does is it takes evidence uh, that's presented to them and decides whether or not that evidence is strong enough to um, to recommend yeah. prosecution. Okay, that's what a grand jury does. They when they indict, when a grand jury indicts you, they're saying, "Hey, there is enough evidence present to charge um, you. that there is a suspicion yeah. of a crime that was committed, then we're going to charge you and pursue prosecution." So that's what the house does. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that the house has a right to discovery. Yeah. They don't have a right 
to uh, to force you to submit documents or testify or anything like that, which is why this whole obstruction of Congress thing is bogus. Yeah. Okay. Now, who does have a right to do that is the Senate, the Senate. Yeah. Because the Senate is the actual branch of the uh, Congress that holds the actual trial. Now, if you get charged with a crime, or in this case, charged with impeachment, then yes, you do have to comply with uh, being interviewed or whatever. You don't have to say anything, but you do have to show up. You do have to submit uh, paperwork that is that would act like a warrant in essence, you know? So the warrant would say, Hey, you know, you're charged with these two things. We're going to get your computer and investigate to see if that's actually the case. And then you go through the trial. That's how that works. It's not the house of representatives jobs. Everybody's saying, Oh, well, obstruction of Congress. He, he didn't comply with the subpoenas. Well, yeah, he did. By the way, they responded to the, the subpoenas, all of the subpoenas they responded to, but they basically set up yours. Yeah. That was the response to the subpoena. They didn't just ignore them. They just said, nah, nah, yeah. we see what, you, yeah, we see what you're doing. This is partisan. We don't agree. Nope. Not going to show up. <laughs> I don't have to because this is a co-equal branch of government and the president wasn't actually charged with anything yet. Now he is. This isn't a criminal investigation, by the way. It's different. Yeah. It's very different. There's no law that's been broken here. This is not criminal. They they would have brought that forward if they found any evidence of that, which they did not. There's a key thing that House Majority Leader um, Steny, what was his name? Steny Hoyer. Steny Hoyer said in his uh, 10-minute speech that he got at the end of this whole thing, and I tweeted out about this last night, he said that the president had many chances to prove his innocence. Yet he refused to provide any testimony. Ooh. Newsflash, Mr. Hoyer, who's been in Congress for 38 years. Maybe it's time for you to go, number one, because you don't even understand that in America, there's no such thing as proving your innocence. No, you You are are, innocent. You are innocent by default. Yeah. Simply because you are a human being, you're innocent by default. It's up to the state or the charging entity or whoever that may be to prove your guilt. That's the biggest difference in America in almost every Western culture compared to everyone else. I mean, back in, this is what we fought a revolution over. Yeah. One of the reasons, one of the many reasons is the fact that everyone was presumed guilty and it was off with your head. If you disagreed <laughs> with the King or off with your head, if you disagree with the, with the dictator. So it's, it's, uh, Stenny Hoyer needs to go. I mean, that guy was about, he looked like he was about to fall over after being in, in Congress for 38 years anyway. Yeah. Um, but man, somebody needs to vote that guy out because he doesn't even understand a basic principle. You know, I had an, uh, another argument with somebody over the fifth amendment and somebody was saying, Oh, well, you know, the fifth amendment clearly states that um, you have to accept in cases of, of impeachment. Um, and it actually doesn't by the way, so the fifth amendment reads, no person shall be held to answer, shall be held to answer, which means if you are, uh, let's say being investigated and you're not charged with anything yet. Um, so you're being investigated, which is what this is, yeah. you know, then you don't have to comply. You don't have to answer. You don't have to answer questions. You don't have to submit evidence. You don't have to submit any of that. It says, um, if you no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment 
of a grand jury. Clear words here, indictment of a grand jury. Now, I said the House of Representatives act like a grand jury, but it's not a grand jury. They act like one. But this is clear um, case that it's an indictment of the grand jury, which means now, now that there's been an indictment and the articles of impeachment have been voted on and approved, now this is where this exception comes in. Um, And so you literally, you don't have to, testify against yourself. You don't have to witness against yourself. You don't have to provide any testimony or anything like that. That's the great thing about the constitution and the fifth amendment, because think about this people. If you, you could just go around accusing people of things and then they had to turn over everything in their life as if they were guilty because of an accusation versus being presumed innocence. And you have to submit evidence that there was a suspicion of a crime committed before you could actually get that indictment so that you could actually do the investigation. Imagine what kind of world that would look like. People I, would be beheaded all over the place. Well, other than the beheading, I think we're moving towards an environment, definitely with the media, uh, definitely with our political divide. Uh, we've seen a lot of different instances where we are more in a guilty until proven innocent environment now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually what a lot of that that Richard Jewell movie had to do with. I know you haven't seen that yet, but I went and saw it. And you that, did? Yeah, yeah. It was good. You didn't tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, it was good. And it bombed. It bombed. And, and really, I think because... Now, Clint Eastwood decided to tell this story, and it was a really good story, but they 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 spun this, and it might have been the case, that what he was telling was how dirty the media was and how we move to a guilty until proven innocent and how the media is vicious and makes up stories. It was a fake news media movie because basically the media ruined this guy's life. They took away years and years where he should have been hailed as a hero for saving hundreds of lives potentially and made him into everyone thought that he was the bomber. And and so they and then he ended up dying of like heart failure like 5 years after they found the actual bomber, the guy that confessed to it. So wow. he he had to live from the time that this happened, he had to live over half of his remaining life with people treating him like he was the bomber responsible for killing people. And it was literally just a media narrative that, that came out. That's all That's all it was. And they they took that from him. This is mob rule. Yeah, it was, this com- is... It was complete mob rule. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it was, a, it was a really good movie. It was actually one of my favorites of Clint Eastwood movies. I typically actually, I don't like Clint Eastwood's movies very much. I don't actually. Um, he, he does a good job. You know, American Sniper, good movie only because it's an amazing story. So I was really into it for the story. I think if the director of Lone Survivor would have done yes, American exactly. Sniper, it would have been way better. Something about Clint Eastwood's movies, there's some kind of separation between yourself and the actual characters on screen to where I feel like I'm watching a story where in other movies you feel like you're in it, like emotionally in it. Mm-hmm. And actually this one so far was the best job that he he did at doing that. So well, look, uh, anyway, there's better my with, endorsement of the movie. You get better with age. Yeah. So he should be really darn good. So what and, what, and what's Nate is talking about here is that our, our government, our system of societal rules is set up in a way on when it comes to innocence versus guilt, the presumption of innocent is important because what that does is it impedes mob rule and that you don't want mob rule. No one wants mob rule. 
That's where a, a group of people can decide that you that you're guilty without presenting any evidence and then crush you. That's, and that's wrong. That's my pardon my phrasing, but that's where you get a lynch mob at that point in time. Yes. People decide this person is guilty of something. We're going to go ahead and give them their punishment for it. And that that's how you get that is a mob rule mentality. And we do not want that. We try to keep away from that in this country. And that's one of the best things. And honestly, this is this uh, this held uh, black people back in after yeah. the Civil War. Well, because it's majority it's it's majority mob rule all the time. And it, it doesn't matter whether you're innocent or, or guilty. There's a good movie out. Actually, is it out yet? Called them um, Just Mercy. That's coming out oh, with about uh, the, Michael B. Jordan. It looks. Yeah, yeah I want to see that. Too. It looks really good. Yeah. Um, do you want to give Tulsi Gabbard and uh, an ad girl real quick? Yeah. So this yeah. is the one. This is the one I was telling you about. This is the representative who voted president present president. <laughs> she voted present. She's running for president. And this is a. Very smart move on her part, because clearly most of the country or clearly half the country doesn't hate Trump. Yeah. And they think that this is actually a sham and they do believe that. And they're kind of like most of America, I think, believes the way that I do, which is these are weak articles of impeachment and it's never going to fly in the Senate. And there's no reason to be partisan on this. It has to be a bipartisan effort effort where. um the where the president has done something clearly wrong where he could actually vote for articles of impeachment. That's essentially what she said. So this coming from from MSN, it's an AP story, basically the only Democrat or Republican to vote present to impeach Donald Trump in the House on Tuesday on both articles of impeachment was Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard. In a statement after her vote, Gabbard, who is also running for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination, released a statement claiming that after doing her, quote, due diligence in reviewing the 658 page impeachment report, I came to the conclusion that I could not in good conscience vote either yes or no. I am standing in the center and have decided to vote present. I could not in good conscience vote against impeachment because I believe President Trump is guilty of wrongdoing. I also could not in good conscience vote for impeachment because removal of a sitting president must not be the culmination of a partisan process fueled by tribal animosities that have so gravely divided our country. Boom. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, we've, we're not huge fans of Tulsi Gabbard. Obviously we share some foreign policy similarities with her. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder if this will make the libertarian people not like her now all of a sudden, since apparently the libertarian party is ready to string president trump up on the front on the white house lawn you know since the, the official official just, party position oh yeah yeah libertarians are are all over all over the impeachment they love it the the party is anyway so um yeah this i like this because this shows that she has some principle because this will hurt her in the democratic nomination this will hurt her in that she will be the only person on stage tonight at the debate that is going to say that she did not want to vote to impeach Trump. I know some, um, not all of them are House and Senate members, but she will be up there saying that she was obviously not in favor of this impeachment. And she, you know, she's really going out there on a limb and it's because of a very principled stand where she said she did her due diligence and she doesn't think that this is a, a good thing for the country. And, you know, that makes me, that makes me like her more um, but obviously she's not getting my vote or anything like that, but, uh, that definitely makes me respect her more. 
I wonder how many um, president or how many candidates are running for president that are um, that are in the house. About forty three, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> um, it doesn't say here. It gives a list, but I want I want to know. Did you say it gives gives a lisp? That's not nice. Yeah, it gives a lisp, but man. Um, <laughs> Michael Bennett, he's still running for president. I don't know who that is. Joe Biden is in the was a former vice president. Michael Bloomberg is just a somebody. Cory Booker Cory Booker? Representative? Yeah. Uh or a senator. Not sure. Unsure. Pete, Pete Buttigieg is a mayor. Uh Julian Julian Castro. He's one of those congress members he's a congress okay well by congress i mean he's, he's in the house he's or in the senate? Le- i believe he's in the legislative branch okay yeah i don't know other than that so bernie sanders is in the senate elizabeth warren is in the senate uh yeah i don't know i think there's only a couple so i guess she was the only one running for president uh that's a mm-hmm. democrat obviously in the house that would that yeah. would do that so we'll see. We'll see if this uh, actually benefits her or not. She's always one for doing something a little bit different, and she seems to have a a pretty good uh, grassroots um, coalition. I yeah. mean, listening to her on the Joe Rogan podcast, she needed uh, 200,000 people to donate. And uh, she was sitting when she was on the Joe Rogan show, she was sitting at like 199,000 people. Yeah. So that was one of the qualifications for this debate among some others. So it's, she has at least 200,000 people that have donated to her campaign. Yes. Yeah. Individuals. That's, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it, we'll see how this pans out for old, old Tulsi Gabbard. Do you want to, do you want to destroy this poll with me? I love taking apart statistical polls. You're way better at it than I am. Oh, man, I love it. Look, I'm here to learn. Anytime I see, well, first off, this came from a tweet from Bernie Sanders. So, you know, you know, if it came from BS, it probably is BS. So let's (laughs) see. uh, What did he say? He posted this article from CNBC. He says two thirds of America thinks the economy is helping the rich and hurting the working class. What particularly angers me and why people have such contempt for Washington is the corporate control over our political life while the middle class disappears. Okay. So first of all, we did a podcast about a month ago. We're actually the middle class. Middle class is shrinking. They are, but they're moving up. They're moving into the upper class. They're getting rich. Oh, how and terrible! That's not supposed to happen. See, he's got to present this this narrative that the middle class is shrinking and more people are stuck in the lower class, which is which is not the case at all. But that's not even what I wanted to take apart. So this came from a Pew Research poll, which um, just just so you just so you know, you can check their website and they are bipartisan and unbiased. Just so you know. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Okay, so this came from their poll, and let's read exactly what it describes. By many measures, the U.S. economy is doing well. Unemployment is near a 50-year low. Consumer spending is strong, and the stock market is delivering solid returns for investors. Despite these positive indicators, public assessments of the economy are mixed, and they differ significantly by income, according to a new Pew Research Center survey. Majorities of upper-income and middle-income Americans say current economic conditions are excellent or good, but about 40% of lower-income adults share that view, while a majority say the economy is only fair or poor. So you don't say people who are in the lower-income class think that the economy is poor. 
<laughs> uh, okay, so let's take apart this poll. So what they actually came out with, what they wanted, the idea they wanted to show you in this poll was that a, ma a majority of people think that the economy is working for the rich people and not for the lower class. And then they also wanted to show you how, uh, how many people think that the economy is excellent and how many people think that the economy is poor. So when you, when you look at these numbers, they come out with a number, which by the way, Bernie Sanders didn't want to talk about, 56% of adults think that the economy is excellent. And what is 44% think that the economy is only fair or poor. And what's really interesting in this is if you separate it out between Republicans and Democrats, well, 75% of Republicans think that the economy is excellent. And then only 41% of Democrats think that the economy is excellent. So now it matters. This, this is what really matters. And this is the first thing I look at when I see any kind of poll before I make any type of assessment on if I believe it, if I form some kind of opinion off of it, decide what it's trying to tell me. I want to know who did they sample? Who did they sample in this poll? Because you can sample a, a poll of me and Charlie and ask us whether or not libertarianism is the best way. And 100% of the poll respondents say that libertarianism is the best way. But that's a sample size of only two people who are both libertarians. So that's a bad poll, right? That's not a good, that's not a good statistical sample. Mm -hmm. So it really matters how they sample these people when they do the polls. Now, well, they, we don't even know, you know, reading the footnotes here, you don't even know what they used for uh poor or upper middle income yeah some of it they said middle income is defined as two-thirds to double yeah the median annual income for the survey sample yeah <laughs> they didn't even use like an an arbitrate the all the people for the that survey were surveyed. sample yeah the, uh, how so, yeah. Do you, so how do you know that they sampled the proper amount of people in the different yeah. income brackets in accordance with how many people are in the upper class, how many people are in the middle and how many people are in the lower. And they didn't even take the median income. They, they doubled it. Yeah. Yeah. To make it middle or upper. So, so the thing that's ridiculous, the thing that stuck out to me the most in this poll. Now, remember this poll is showing how many people think the economy is excellent. All right. So in this sample size, they sampled 7,000 people in this poll. 55% of the people that they sampled were Democrats and 45% of the people they sampled were Republicans. Okay. So the very first thing you can try and figure out is why didn't they sample any independents? Now at this point, they're only sampling Republicans and Democrats and mm -hmm. they're sampling more Democrats than they are sampling Republicans. And now we've seen in the results that Democrats think the economy is way worse than Republicans do. And they have a higher sample rate inside of this poll than the Republicans do. Mm -hmm. So now you have to dig into what are the actual demographics in the country? Because you wanna know how far off this poll actually is. So while they sampled 55% Democrats in this poll, only 27% of the country identifies as Democrat in a recent 2019 Gallup survey. 27% are Democrat and 29% are Republican, meaning even more people identify as Republican than Democrat. And already this poll sampled more Democrats than Republicans. So you already have that. But then you've got those pesky independents 
42% of the country identifies as independents, and they weren't even sampled in the survey. They sampled only Republicans and Democrats. That's it. This is the same thing, by the way, with that thing that uh, Bernie Sanders uses, where 70% of the country supports Medicare for all. Well, they sampled more Democrats than Republicans in that. They didn't sample any independents. And it was a sample size of a total of 1,500 people. Right. That was it. And there's your 70% of the country supports Medicare for all. Let's tout that as as if it's an actual number. No, it's not. So... Now let's look at the independents. So we know that the biggest group of people are independents, 42% of the country. Well, which way are independents more likely to go? If you use the couple indicators, when it comes to uh, funding things for illegal immigrants, like say college and healthcare and things like that, well, almost 70% of independents are against public funding for people who are not American citizens. 70% of independents are against that. Oh, okay. That's interesting. 60% of independents are against Medicare for all. Okay. So you can take these types of numbers and then you can look at who voted for Trump in the last election, as far as how many independents voted for him versus Clinton. And you actually come out with around 60% of independents actually will be more likely to vote Republican if they're going to vote for one of those two parties. So now you have to ask yourself, what should the actual sample rate in this poll from from Pew Research, what should it have actually been? So where they sampled 55% Democrat, it should have actually been 37.4% Democrat. And where they sampled 45% Republican, it should have been 62.6% Republican. If they actually wanted to present a, 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 a more nationwide. true nationwide model of, of an accurate sample rate. That means when they sampled Democrats at 55% instead of 37.4, they raised the number. It's 50% higher sample rate than they should have been for Democrats in this poll. Imagine that. And then Bernie Sanders posts the poll and talks about how Americans believe that the economy is not working. Do you see how my head explodes when this (laughs) stuff happens? Now, I know that not everyone takes the time to think about all that crap. And, you know, I'm envious of that. I really am. But as soon as I saw this, I was like, I have to know who they sampled in this poll. I got to know. And this is really important because this is the narrative that these people present. And you can use people like Bernie Sanders use this to sway people's minds where even if you think that the economy is good, you can say, well, maybe I'm in the wrong. I mean, more people, a lot of people think it's really bad and it's actually working. Look at this. He says two thirds of people think it's only working for the rich. I mean, maybe I'm just really wrong. You can sway people's opinions. You can make them have emotional reactions to this and react to something that is a completely false narrative. And that's why we started BernieLies.com right there is is for that reason. And no one's going to take the time to do that, by the way. Except you. That's why you should come listen to this podcast, because you don't know the amount of links and the amount of reading I had to do to dig all of that up. And no one's going to do that. You know, my my brother and I were talking about the deficit and the debt last night, and he was saying that um, he was even saying in Obama's last term, the deficit was uh, 19.9 trillion. And I was like, no, no, Trey, that's the debt. Yeah. 
He's like, well, I'm reading it. This is on balancesomething.com. I just looked it up. It's This is exactly what it's saying, unless these guys don't know what they're talking about. I was like, yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Obama's deficit was like $800 billion, something like that. Yeah. Well, it was it fluctuated. His last well, yeah. year in office, it was like $480 billion. Yeah. I think he but, had all the way up to $1.2, $1.3 trillion yeah, like deficit. like $1.1. Yeah. Uh, Trump's ran a higher one, by the way, <laughs> already. Trump, just so everyone knows, in total debt, Trump if he serves eight years, is going to run up more on the national debt than Obama did. Just so we can stop using this talking point of Obama doubled the national debt. Well, first off, whose national debt did he double? Bush's. George Bush's national debt. Because okay. the, ba- the budget was balanced under yeah, Clinton. Yeah, and then and then uh, Bush added on this $8 trillion or whatever it was, and then Obama doubled it, or, or more than, and now Trump's going to add, if he does get reelected, at the current, I mean, he's going to add a lot more money onto the debt than Obama did. Now, he's not going to double it, but he's going to add more money onto it than Obama did. Yeah. So. Why are we talking about, why are everybody upset about trade deficits when we should be upset <laughs> yeah. about, we actually had a budget surplus a couple of years under Clinton. Yeah, we did. <laughs> you know, my brother asked Now, me. that would be accredited to uh, Newt Gingrich being in control and uh, making sure that that whole thing went through. Oh, because of course. When he had the budget surpluses, they would say, well, the Republicans were in control of the Congress at that oh, time. Of co- so that's of course. what happened. Of yeah. course they yeah. were. Yeah. My brother asked me, he said, who, since you've been paying attention to politics, has been the best president? I was like, well, how about we go since I was born, uh, since I'm only 32 years old, and well, from what I can remember, the best president we've had actually was Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. He was really good at saxophone. It's, I don't know if you ever saw the video of him playing on, uh, was it David Letterman? He went uh, when he was running. Uh, he might have already won and was doing re-election. He played saxophone. Uh, I can't remember which election it was for, but he played saxophone on David Letterman. Yeah. He was really good. What I think, what, I'm just saying when it comes to things that libertarians care about, <laughs> as far as if you're going to rank order yeah. how the presidents fared while they were in office, you know, Clinton balance the budget we had a budget yeah. surplus uh, instead of a deficit yeah. so he didn't wasn't adding to the debt in those years um i think that he was pretty fair on taxes um and the economy was good now he and, also was the president during what you could say was the biggest technological advance that true. we had ever gone through but he didn't get us into a yeah. bunch of wars yeah. now obviously we had desert storm but at least that was just th- that one for like uh, two months yeah um, we, you know, we weren't droning and killing everybody. Although I don't think drone technology was no. where it is today. We had the Kosovo, Yugoslavia. Yeah, the, there was some Latin kind of America stuff, stuff was, too, as well. As well, yeah. Um, that was continuing on from the previous administration. However, it wasn't what we've seen since uh, Bush. You know, Bush, Bush, Obama, and Trump have all been terrible presidents compared to Clinton. I'm yeah. just saying, if you rank order them, I'm not saying Clinton was a good president. No, I'm just saying in my lifetime. Yeah. Clinton, Clinton was the best president. Oh, that's right, because uh, Reagan actually wasn't the president in your lifetime. No, no. It was uh, when I was born. It was Bush Senior. Yeah, I believe Reagan was the president when I was born. Although I guess uh, Bush Senior would have been uh, would have taken office uh, when I was like eight months old, something yeah. like that. So anyway, it's just uh, it's just kind of funny that we're talking. You know, everybody's we came on this about trade deficit and it's like, why aren't we worried about the budget deficit? Yeah. Which is projected to top 1.2 trillion in 2020. Yeah. The trade deficit. I'm sorry. 
It doesn't matter. You know when we had a positive trade deficit? The Great Depression. During the Great Depression. <laughs> that's that's when it was flip-flops. Yeah. Okay. I want to say about this this whole, you know, Pew research and these statistics and everything. The reason that Nate's so good at going through this stuff is because you have to take all of these with a grain of salt and understand everyone comes from a political bias, even if they say they're not. Pew research is coming from political bias. It's clear by their sample rate alone. Even if you don't do so much digging, you can be like, oh, well, their sample rate. And then you look at their explanation about how they they didn't even take the median annual income for the people that they surveyed. They actually doubled or tripled or they two thirds to doubled it. Yeah. Making the people in the lower income bracket higher. Well, and they didn't they didn't take it based on the median income of the country. They based it on the median income of the people that they sampled. Right. And then they built their income categories based off of the median income of the people that that were sampled. Exactly. Which literally means this poll means nothing whatsoever. And so, so, and then people use it to their benefit, but we could do the same thing. How do we, we should start a research center. Yeah. Unbiased. Unbiased. Of course. Yeah. Completely. Um, just the numbers. Yeah. Just the and, numbers. <laughs> and see if we can get some people to tweet it out. <laughs> be awesome. We'll just start calling people and asking them questions. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to do the uh, Elizabeth Warren thing? Or you want to do the bathroom thing? We're at 50 minutes. <laughs> uh, let's go with bathroom because okay. this is pretty funny. You go ahead. All right. So <laughs> this is going to be implemented at this company, by the way. <laughs> Restroom sign says employees may face smell check to ensure they're not, quote, sitting on the phone. This coming from a local news station um, in Baltimore. A company has a bathroom sign that claims that employees must follow a strict time limit or else face a smell check. (laughs) The sign, which appeared on Reddit, attempts to stop workers from taking long breaks. Quote, if a bathroom break for more than 10 minutes... If, I'm sorry, quote, if in a bathroom for more than 10 minutes, a smell check will be completed to ensure employee is not sitting on the phone. <laughs> if it does not stink, employee's name will be reported to the office. What if you what if you <laughs> what if your crap don't stink? You know, <laughs> this is hilarious. The post, uh, you know, especially in the women's bathroom. And yeah, they just <laughs> they poop unicorns and rainbows. I know. I know. So the post got a lot of engagement with one person posting, quote, I'd stop flushing just in case. Another person said, quote, who is the lucky employee entrusted with this noble task? <laughs> this is just, you know, you need a little bit of comedy in your day with all this stuff. You know, on, on average, if at your work day, if you take a, a 10 minute poop break every single day at work, then that equals up to a 40 hour uh, vacation. By Whoa. the end of the year. Wow. So that gives you 40 hours. Wow. How about that? Yeah. You get a week's vacation. So you, yeah. Make sure you take a poop. Nice. And do not flush the toilet. Don't flush. Yeah. Man. So you start taking pictures of your just... poop. <laughs> How arbitrary is this? This is uh, so like, ridiculous. Like you're, I can just imagine the arguments where you're like, I swear, I just took a dump. I swear. I'm sorry. It doesn't stink. Like, I mean, how do you prove this? Yeah. How do you prove it? Well, one thing is, how do you prove it? The other thing is, like, if your employees aren't getting their work done, yeah, you, there's more problems than them sitting in the bathroom for more than 10 minutes on their phone. Yeah. 
You know? Honestly, if you're if you're really worried about that's what they're doing, then you've got some other problems with that employee, mm-hmm. and they're probably not a good employee. And you, there's enough, you know, you can probably find someone else to fill that position if you need to. Someone who's not just going to sit on a throne of lies while they're at work. <laughs> you know, as far as like policy is concerned, what I mean, I guess a company can do this. Oh I, yeah, sure. It's their company. No, I mean, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be allowed to do this. I'm just saying this is a ridiculous rule. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. This has got to be some kind of mom and pop shop. This is one of those. You ever go into those gas stations or restaurants where clearly the owner is like overbearing and control and they've got these little typed out signs about everything everywhere. It's like, don't touch, don't throw paper towels and in the thing, don't lean up against this, you know, don't don't put your, don't try to flush your shoe. Don't stand over here. Don't do this. (laughs) Like it's, you see these places where the, the owner really has some type of a just control $20 $20 minimum yeah. on credit and debit cards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, this is, um, you know, I don't think I would continue to work at a place no. like this. No, I just I don't, don't think, think I would. Yeah. I don't think there's a job I'd need bad enough Yeah, to where my employer, look, talk about micromanaging. Yeah. God, I hate micromanaging more than anything. It's like, do you get your work done or not? Yeah. And if you don't get it done, why not? Yeah. Okay. If you can't get it done, then I expect updates. That's it. At the end of the day, all you should assess is, are they getting the work done that I need to be done? Right. And if they're not, then you don't need to have them regardless of whether or not they were actually pooping. That's, <laughs> that's. I mean, that that should be a moot point at that right. point in time. And like, why can't you check your phone for 10 minutes at your desk? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> as long as you get your stuff done. Oh. I don't care if you check your phone. Okay. This is uh this is, I wish I knew what uh, company this was. It's hilarious. You think they've taken it down by now? Probably. They probably just after, have people lined up outside the bathroom trolling them. After since, all since of this. this, they probably definitely took it down. Yeah. Well, so. um, one more story here before we end the day. 91 big companies, <laughs> big companies paid no federal taxes last year. Ooh. And others paid less then new lower rates the atrocities yeah yeah there's there's a real big there's a real big lie in here i wanted to to approach so the southern is this uh like illinois like illinois the southern from the southern illinois of course yeah you're uh, your mom tagged us in this article yesterday yeah or the day before i can't remember and i said good thanks mom good good for them as was my response a total of 91 corporations in the fortune 500 many worth billions of dollars paid no federal taxes last year the washington post reported monday already we've got a disconnect between your worth and your income. Hang on a second. Already. This right is hilarious there. because the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. I know. Which, I know. And they call out which, Amazon. Which owns Amazon, which Amazon doesn't pay any federal income taxes because they're really smart. Well, this is how you know that Jeff Bezos is not micromanaging the Washington Post at no. all. And he said this before. That he just he paid for it to keep going because it was like going to go out of business or something. And he wanted it to keep going. He is not controlling what their stories are whatsoever because you can find negative stories about Amazon about eight times a day on the Washington yeah. Post. So this is uh, hilarious. Yeah. So uh, and like I said, there's a disconnect already because they're making the connection between you not paying your federal income taxes your corporate taxes and being worth billions of dollars. Those are two completely different things. Yeah. You could own a lot of equipment and a lot of trucks and a lot of buildings and and have lost money for the year. 
and still technically be worth a lot of money. Yeah, your assets, your total not, assets yeah, could be worth billions. But not owe any taxes. Right. So about 400 of America's largest corporations paid an average federal tax rate of about 11% on their profits last year, roughly half the official rate established under President Donald Trump's 2017 tax law. And you know what's amazing about that is they actually have taken in more money in tax revenue. Yeah. And what's also amazing <laughs> is they, they're calling out 400 companies out of, well, there's 10,000 that trade publicly in the stock market, and then there's millions upon millions. 28 million. 28 million is the, the number people throw around of companies, but let's talk about 400 of them real quick. Profitable American corporations in 2018 collectively paid an average effective federal income tax rate of 11.3% on their 2018 income, barely more than half the 21% statutory tax rate, said the report from Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. Mm. In fairness, analysts say the phenomenon is nothing new. Imagine that. <laughs> Some companies have long paid less than official rates for a variety of reasons. Well, let's talk about those reasons. No, we're not going to do that. Still, Kiplinger reported that many of the nation's largest corporations have lower tax rates than most citizens. Mm. The TCJA, signed by President Donald Trump in late 2017, permanently lowered the federal corporate tax rate to 21% from 35%. Analysts say many companies are paying even less. Okay, so. And they'll continue to do so, and they always will. They always, yeah, they always will. Even yeah. when the top tax bracket was 90%, people's effective tax rate was 42%. Right. So the, that's this has always been a thing. It, it will always be a thing. And honestly, like I responded to your mom who tagged us in this, in this article, um, in my opinion, good for them. You know, just like I, I wish I could find a way to not do it. And I'm not going to force other people into this unfair prison with me. I'm glad they got out of it. You know, what's funny is they compare these tax rates to most citizens. You know, it's hilarious is as a citizen, you also have the opportunity for deductions. Yeah. So you can take a standard deduction, which now has been raised 12,000, I think. Yeah. 12,000. So yeah. you could take a standard deduction or you could take a, um, you could divvy them out like, yeah. by your new car purchase, or you could divvy them out by um, your uh, your like your interest on your yeah. home mortgage, and mm -hmm. you have all of these deductions. Your business deductions. Um, I'm sorry, we're not talking about business. We're talking about standard citizens. <laughs> your charitable contributions can be deducted. You have all kinds of deductions. Well, you know what? Corporations have deductions too. Yeah, you know, as and everyone you, on all taxes have. Yeah, and yeah. you don't. By the way, you don't have to pay taxes on your gross income. No. No, there's all kinds of deductions like, hey, I bought this, you know, million dollar piece of equipment for the business purpose only. Yeah. And I, guess what? I get to write that off. Or, you know, I've got three companies and one of my companies lost a million dollars this year. And, you know, it's, and I have a shell company over all of that. So my shell company is not, I'm not going to pay taxes on the money that I lost. Yeah. You know, I'm going to use that as, hey, here's my losses and I can... I can continue to write that off until I recoup that. Yeah. Because there's no reason to pay taxes when you're not making any money. Well, because the tax is supposed to be on what your income was. Like you took home income. As an, uh, yes. And, and so if you had expenses that, uh, okay, yes, you took in some gross income, but then you put, maybe you invested some money, you bought more trucks, you did whatever, you paid other stuff, you 
whatever, have deferred tax payments from other years or something like that, which is what a lot of these people are doing now, um, then technically you did not have that income anymore. So now you're going to pay taxes on what a lower the lower income, which like you said, that's what everyone does. Yes. And the biggest lie in this was this still constant narrative that of course people like our favorite, our, our favorite BS Senator Bernie Sanders talks about all the time. He says, still Kiplinger reported, many of the nation's largest companies have lower tax rates than most citizens. That's not true. And this is something that Bernie Sanders has talked about a lot. Oh, the people in the lower class pay a higher tax rate than, than uh, Warren Buffett and all that. Now, yeah, there. when you look at the effective tax rate that Warren Buffett pays, or you can say he paid 15% on his capital gains and that's what he paid most of the time, I get that. But then they don't use the effective tax rate for what the people in the lower middle class actually paid which is zero which is which is it's three <laughs> it's well for a lot of people it's actually negative two or three percent and then the for most people in the bottom 50 percent of income earners it's 3.3 percent that's what they're on average on average that's what their effective tax rate is which looks less than 11 percent i had i didn't use my calculator for it but i think that 3.3 is less then 11, I'm checking, and yes, it is. Okay. Okay. So um, this 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 is another thing that they do with this narrative all the time where they have to tell you that you're getting screwed by these people and that it's set up, it's an unfair system that's set up for only the wealthy to thrive. And they use false statistics still. You can literally look up on the IRS's website and see what the bottom 50% pay. Their average effective tax rate is 3.3%, yet Bernie Sanders will still post saying that the people in the bottom 50% pay a higher tax rate than people in the 1%. Still, he'll still do it, even it's though it's a complete lie. Pure lies. Yeah, just pure lies. That's why we so have a website, ridiculous. by the way, called BernieLies.com. I had yeah. a friend of mine who posted a meme on uh, Facebook today. It was, well, it was a screenshot of Twitter where some U.S. Department of Health or something said that uh, suicide rates are up and we need to look into some new depression medications. And somebody responded saying, oh, well, we're not, uh, we don't need new medication for depression. Like we're depressed because we uh, are buried in student loan debt and we can't afford to go to a doctor and we can't afford to have health insurance and we can't afford to have a family and we can't afford to own a family. That's why we're depressed. And it's like, no, that's actually not true. Yeah. By the way, because if you look at, well, first of all, there's a couple things. It's like, oh, and of course, at the end, it said uh, that's because the economy only works for the people at the top. Yeah. You know, the economy is only working for the rich people. Um, and this obviously is false on many levels. But in this whole pursuit of meaning thing, I want to say, first of all, we talked about yesterday, we live in the greatest time ever. So, like, you're overworking and underpaid compared to who? Like your your great great grandfather in the late eighteen hundreds, you think you're more overworked than he was? Yeah. You think that him getting up when he was eight years old and working the fields from six AM or from sunup to sundown, you think that he was less overworked and that's why he was able to have a family? Yeah, that's why he wasn't depressed. Right. That's why yeah. he wasn't depressed. You really is that the case? You know, who are you more overworked and underpaid then? Yeah. You know, who who can afford a house and you can't and and was their status any better? Like where, did, where are you comparing yourself to? The second thing I would, I would say is that if you are not, if you are not in a position to afford these types of things, it has nothing to do with what anyone else is doing whatsoever. 
Like we live in the greatest time ever to have whatever you want in the greatest economy. In fact, if you make $32,000 a year, even if you just compare yourself in today's standards across the world, you're in the top 1% globally. Yeah. So no one, literally no one in America could ever actually complain about being overworked and underpaid. Oh, so you had to work 60 hours this week. Oh, so <laughs> terrible. Yeah. You know, we get immigrants from across the border that come and work two and three jobs and they're living the America. <laughs> Not only can they have a family and buy a house and support themselves, they send money back across the border. Yeah. And they, cause they work all the time. Because like, what their else? families don't have the opportunity to do that. Where exactly. From. Like so they look, appreciate it. You don't get to just work 40 hours and have a house and a family and play video games and go fishing on the weekends and have a boat and all that. You can't do all of that and only work 40 hours. Yeah. There you have to get or either increase your skill set to where you only have to work 40 hours to accomplish all those things or um get off Twitter. <laughs> you know how do you, how in the world does he have Twitter anyway instead of paying for internet and Twitter you don't pay for Twitter but instead of paying for internet or a phone or whatever to be able to be on Twitter to complain you take all of that money that you would spend on doing all those things and put it towards actually increasing your your productivity. So prioritize your life. Well, That's yeah, the actual thing. You could work 40 hours a week and have the same standard of living that your parents and grandparents had. You could do that, actually. I think you... I think anyone could do that. You could live in a house that was built in the 50s. Um, that's what you could buy instead of a newer house. You could buy a car that's that uh, doesn't have a backup camera or a, even a CD player in it or even cruise control or power windows or locks or very safe airbags and gets 15 miles to the gallon. You could do that. You could not have a cell phone. You could not have internet. You could do all these things if you wanted to and live the same standard of living that, that your parents and grandparents did on your 40 hours a week. But if you want all of those extra things, you can't expect to just have all of those things and not have to put in any work for them at all. That's saying that those things don't have any value, which they do have value. That's another thing drive me nuts. You know, those people saying oh, Instagram and all this, these things don't add value. You know, these aren't value. I would give those up. These don't add value to my life. If these things don't add value to your life, then don't use them. Why would you be using them if they're not adding right. value to your life? They're obviously adding value to your life or you wouldn't choose to use them. If you could give it up. Yeah. Why would you freely choose to then, keep using things that you don't think are a value? Then give it up. Yeah. And Just, spend your time that you would complaining on those platforms to go do something productive for yourself. Yeah. Imagine that. The other thing I wanted to mention on that, the funny it's not funny, but the crazy thing about suicide statistics when you go look them up is most people, uh, the highest percentage of people that actually commit suicide are old white men. They're old and they're white and they're men. Some are rich, some are poor, but a lot of, a lot of it has to do with loneliness. Like you don't have a spouse or anything. If you're a widower, yeah. um, um, if you go look at the statistics, a lot of them have to do with drug and alcohol abuse. So if you're a heavy abuser of those things, uh, then you're more likely to commit suicide. It doesn't have, has nothing to do with poor people don't commit suicide more than rich people do. Well, they're not depressed. You're not actually depressed because you can't afford things. The thing I want to say about this, this is the really dangerous part of this mentality. And this is why I spend so much time on people like Bernie and Elizabeth.
because I, I do know that the the suicide statistics are going up for young people. They are increasing. They're they're like actually highest ever for young for the young generations. And the problem is that they do have the feeling like what you said, like they can't, you know, they're buried in student loan debt. They can't afford this and that and all that stuff. And the problem is, is that this this mentality of someone else is holding me down. There's nothing I can do to get out of this. It's not my fault. I'm trapped. I'm I'm in this capitalist prison. This is terrible. That's the mentality that Bernie's preaching to people. And I said in the podcast yesterday, I think that the, thank God I did not have someone like Bernie filling my head with stuff when I was young. I don't know how I would have turned out. And these people do have people like this filling their heads. And that is why I fight against people like this so much because you could literally make a connection between an increase in suicide statistics among young people and people like this filling their heads with the mentality that there is no hope for a better future. That's what actually leads to the suicide. Yeah. And that's the, and I, you know, I know that's, if, that's a leap to try and blow. Oh, I'm blaming, I'm, I'm blaming suicide on Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. But when you have these people telling you th these things that there is no hope that the world's going to end in 12 years because of climate disaster anyway, and the rich people are holding you down and you're in a taxation, you're in a prison, we're in a taxation prison, all of us together, but except <laughs> for the uh, corporations, um, we're in, you know, you're in a capitalist prison where you're forced to work. And I mean, just telling people this all the time and never telling them that they actually have the capability to raise themselves out of it because you do, you do have the capability. Actually, it's easy than it's ever been to raise yourself out of it you know uh, it's really dangerous and it, it's I, I said it a lot yesterday but it, it's disgusting to me that these people are out here filling young people's heads with this and this whole pursuit of meaning that we talk about the the biggest thing is re, is adopting responsibility for yourself and the reason why young people or anybody commit suicide for any particular reason most often has to do without having a purpose or direction for your life. You know, you have to have a reason to get out of bed every single day. You know, there has to be something that motivates you to pursue this thing that we call life. And if there's not a motivation for it or, or if the suffering is too great, then you think like, Oh, well, I'm better off just off in myself. Yeah. That's you know, why deal with the suffering around the world? If there's nothing greater than me, to pursue when you think that you don't have a higher purpose and there's no meaning. That's why we say life, liberty and the pursuit of meaning. That's what we talk about on the show that the meaning is the most important part. Like I've I've been down. I've been down there before. I mean, you you're you've been my friend for a long time. So you, you know what I'm talking about mm -hmm. and finding purpose and meaning in what you do every day is the way out of it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that if you are down, if you are depressed, that the surest way to get yourself out of it. Now I realize you can be trapped in a loop where there's not, you know, you, you're not even capable of seeing a brighter way out. I, I agree. You can have actual chemical imbalances. There can be things like that wrong. I, I understand that. Um, but the surest and best way out is by finding what you're finding meaning in what you're doing every single day. And that's how you can actually enjoy your job. You can enjoy whatever it is. Even if you're working at McDonald's, every single person that's going through that line needed food and they would not have been able to get that food 
if yes, if the corporation didn't start McDonald's, if they didn't build it there, and then also if you weren't there to to cook it and hand it to them. And even when I was driving, I did Uber driving for a couple of years. And <clears throat> sorry. I did Uber driving for a couple of years and actually I felt great while I was doing it. I would tell myself after every single trip, that person needed to go somewhere. They needed to get somewhere. They needed to get to work. They needed to get to their friend's house. They needed to get to the game. They needed to go downtown. They're on vacation and they, they didn't want to rent a car and they needed to get around town and have a good time while they were here. Or they were drunk and they, and they were drunk and they didn't want to drive home. And I helped, I helped them do that. I, I, there was a meaning that night. They needed that, and I supplied it. You probably saved lives, even. That's, I absolutely believe that Uber drivers, that Uber and Lyft and all these companies have absolutely saved a lot of lives, for sure. And you can find meaning in whatever your job is, whatever it is you're doing. As long as you're volu- people are voluntarily transacting with you, and they're getting coffee from you, or they're checking stuff out at Walmart, or buying stuff in the drive-thru at McDonald's, you can find meaning in that as long as they haven't been coerced and forced. I mean, sorry, if you're at the DMV, you can't find meaning in that. You can't. <laughs> you just can't. I'm sorry. Uh, I think you but, still can. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. You can take pride in your job still and offer you can. good yeah. customer service, you even if people, you are working for absolutely. the government. It, even if people are forced to be there, you need to be better and and be the best representation and make their day better than everyone else who's going to a DMV that day. And you, the, can, you can be that person. And the flip side is, is, is instead of adopting, if you don't adopt the responsibility and find meaning, direction, and purpose in your life, and you sit there and you complain about how you're being held back by rich people or it's someone else's fault or anything like that. If that's what your day, if that's what you spend doing on the daily, you're not going to get out of your depression. That's not all that does is continue to build resentment. It places the blame on someone else. It makes it everyone else's fault instead of your own. And you get nowhere with that. Instead, if you try a few things be like, okay, well maybe if I just, looked at my job in a different light, or maybe I worked on making myself a little bit better so that I can get a better job or, or get a different job where I find more meaning or I can pursue her passion or something. That's what actually cures your depression. Yeah. Not sitting around complaining about how it's someone else's fault and I can't get ahead because the man's holding me down well, or being dependent on the right person being elected as the president. Right. Like, because then when they don't get elected, yeah. then you're just sunk into a depression. Or- Look, I depend on the Cowboys to win football games every single week. And when they don't, I get depressed. Yeah. He's been fighting depression his whole life. That's my fault. Yeah. (laughs) It's my fault because I am too emotionally involved in a sports franchise. (laughs) And so, and so that's why we, you know, when we're talking about who's going to be the president, who's going to be impeached. If you're a Trump supporter, you know, let's bring this back around. You're a Trump supporter coming full circle you should not whatever it is that you're dependent on. It should not be dependent on Trump still being the president or Pence being the president or the next Republican. If you're a Democrat, the next Democrat being elected, if you're hinging your life, your, your feelings, your emotions, your depression or not, or non-depression, your happiness on who the president of the United States is, then we have gone severely off course here. We we have got some major things that we need to talk about. And in fact, we do. That's why we do it. That's, That's why exactly we, do it, why we do it. Yeah. So guys, if you liked today's episode, share it with one of your friends and one of your enemies. And yes, your crazy, your crazy hippie aunt over the, over the course of the holidays, which are coming up. Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy Hanukkah and, and, and 
salutations <laughs> to whatever, <laughs> whatever everyone else's uh, thing is that they're celebrating. Merry um, Ramakan. Yes. Merry Ramakan to everyone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I don't know if, you know, I guess we might have another episode or two before that. But yeah, just share this episode with someone. Share our page with someone. Go follow us. Go watch us live on, on uh, YouTube or Facebook. If you're watching this live, then go subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on our website, then subscribe to the podcast because this message is important. It's important for people that are our age to hear it. It's important that are people that are, you know, my brother and sister's age who are, I guess they're Gen Z people is what you would say. And then it's important for people that are our parents' age to hear it because maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't get all the things done in your life that you wanted to do. But, you know, whatever it is that you're doing every single day, just find meaning and purpose in that. You know, if people, if you're providing some kind of a service for people, then you've got a lot of meaning in your life, even if you don't think so. And you can, you can develop uh, a, a realm where you can be happy inside of that life if, if you choose to. If you choose to not go down the, the course of just blaming other people and feeling like there's no hope. So share this with some people. Follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty. Follow us on Twitter at Good AM Liberty. Go defend us from all those Twitter trolls that are hitting up our page today still. <laughs> all those Bernie trolls that don't like it when I tweet negative stuff at Bernie. And uh, yeah, go do that and go to our website, goodmorningliberty.us if you want to read some great articles on politics and economics there's two ways to support this show the first one is free that's leave us a rating and review go to facebook or itunes or spotify whatever your favorite podcasting app is leave leave us that rating and review we just got one yesterday from a good friend of mine uh named jeff who's the lead singer of three pill morning check those guys out threepillmorning.com they're also uh they're on all of the they're on spotify anywhere you can find uh, CDs. If you still listen to CDs, <laughs> if you don't stream your music, get on CD baby, CD and, uh, baby. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, we got, you know, some good reviews coming in on the daily. So leave us a rating and review. That's something free that you can do. If you want to spend your cold, hard cash in this giving season, well, we're accepting gifts here at good morning Liberty. So go to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop or gmlconnect.com. Click that shop button, get yourself something in return. There's a make that taxation theft again, hat that Nate's displaying beautifully right now. So you can get that make taxation theft again hat. You can get some coffee mugs that says Bernie lies. Capitalism is greater than socialism t-shirts and there's hoodies. There's all kinds of goodies. So spend your card, your cold hard cash with us and we'll send you a gift in return. And that's how the market works. It's such a beautiful thing. We're not going to force you to do it. No, no, no. You're not going to go to jail if you don't support us, (laughs) but, but we would appreciate if you did. And so if you guys do all of that, I'll be back here again tomorrow to do it all over again until then. I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning Liberty.